At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday, we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from our earlier years. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. This week, a story that Aisha Tyler first shared on the podcast in February of 2013. Here's Aisha now with a story we call OMG. When I was a very young comedian, I got the opportunity to go on a college tour, which sounds much sexier than it is. It seems as if you'll be performing in theaters in front of eager, fresh young faces. That is not what it was at all. It was um, in the lounges of DeVry Institute buildings and on cafeteria tables at lunchtime when no one knew why there was a large black woman screaming at the top of her lungs, interfering with the enjoyment of their tater tots and macaroni and cheese. And it was just punishing. It was punishing and awful. A part of the show was we would all perform for 10 minutes a piece. There were three of us. And then there was a game show. And that was a part of the draw was that people would come and they could play a game and they could win money. The game was that they had to make it for one minute on stage with us without laughing, um, which amazingly they were all very good at. So we would get out there and we would kind of do our level best. We were young and very rickety. And, and there were three of us. It was me, um, a young Filipino comedian, and a, and a white guy. And we were uh, kind of, especially in the South, a racist starter kit. And we didn't not get along, but we didn't really get along. And I don't really think you can get along when you're riding around the country doing shitty college shows in a van. Um, you hate yourself and you hate everybody else and you're hungry and you're poor and you would think that would drive you together, but it just, there was just like this low simmering rage the whole time, coupled with sexual frustration, just everybody wanting to get laid and not really knowing how to go about that. 
in my head, we were going to be performing in front of these fresh, young, smart, kind of engaged kids. And, and for one of the other guys on the tour, he thought he was just going to be fucking college pussy the whole time. Like, just college pussy falling out of the sky. Uh, and then I was going to wing for him, which I was not interested in doing. I was the worst wing woman ever. I would just run up to girls and go, like, my friend likes you. Run, run. What can you do to get out of it? Is there a back way out? Is there a window? Disappear now and never come back. Move to another country. Um, we, it was so not fun. And then when we got to the South... I'm sorry, people in the South. We were, I think, rightfully terrified. Rightfully terrified because we would be driving these back roads uh, at night in this van and, uh, you know, with a, a black woman and then an Asian guy who looked a little black. I mean, he could have, what are you, boy? And then the white guy who had an afro. And so he could have been anything, really. Um, you know, you would drive these country roads and, and then neon crosses will just float out of the dark and they look as if they're on fire. Not not good imagery for me as a black person, burning crosses or br- even you know, a facsimile of a burning cross. Nothing burning and cross together, just not good. And we were just kind of, there was always like a low-level, like, terror. Like, we were literally afraid for our lives. You know, uh, there was a lot of murky apocrypha about the South, some of it based on real, some of it our own heightened sense of unknowing, but we were terrified. We spent a good portion of this thing just afraid for our lives. And when we got to the South, we were booked in a lot of different colleges, but there were a surfeit of Christian schools that we were performing at. Why anyone thought it was a good idea to send comedians to Christian schools, I have no idea, because the very nature of comedy is that you are hell-bent on offending somebody and hopefully everybody at some point. I mean, my goal is to offend everyone. If I have not offended someone, I did not do my job. The general rules would be, you know, obviously not to curse, no sexual innuendo, but as you got deeper and deeper into the holler, no dancing, no talking about dancing. I mean, we were apparently performing at Footloose University, Uh, This is not a joke. We had a school where we were not allowed to dance, talk about dancing, say the word dance, or do anything that could have been interpreted as dancing. That pretty much wiped out all of my material. And I was a baby comic. I only had 10 minutes. I mean, I was milking all of my comedic powers to get to 10 minutes at this point. It involved three minutes of vamping and one minute of silence staring at the audience trying to remember who I was and where I was at the time. So generally, these shows went terribly. We would resort to kind of asking the kids, like, what do people make fun of here? The best was this one very fresh-faced college where we would say, well, like, what do people make, you know, how's the food? Because that was, oh, you could always go to making fun of the cafeteria food. But the food here is lovely. We love our food. We love our school. We love God. We like long skirts. Um, and then there's nowhere to go. You know, you, uh, we, we would just kind of muddle through this first part of the show, sometimes dump it all together and just go straight to the contest and try to break the kids down with various psychological tools at our disposal, including for one of us, a striptease that he would only perform on men, which always worked at the Christian schools because, you know, I mean, he was, it was implied homosexuality. So we would get men up there and he would give them a lap dance and they would inevitably collapse in a puddle, half of them because they feared that we were tainting their salvation and the other half because they were gay and in the closet. So he, he pretty much had a foolproof method for, for winning that, the game. Um, I would engage in all kinds of like, you know, stereotypical black characters, old grandma, hey baby, come over here. You know, just, I mean, the worst, the worst in me, the worst in me came out because desperation brings out the worst in a person. But we went to this one particular school and we had this very kind of officious school administrator in a a suit, and I vividly remember this, and I remember very little vividly, but a, a Disney tie. He had a tie with Disney characters on it, and he liked wholesome things, and he was wholesome through and through, but he was an asshole, and he was like, if you people 
break these rules. We will not pay you. We will not feed you. We will not give you a hotel room. You had better not break these rules. We will run you out of town on a rail. Literally, he meant it, on a rail. I don't even know what, the, I don't even know what that means, but it, I'm sure it's akin to tarring and feathering. We knew something bad was going to happen. I was paralyzed with fear. One of the other people on the show was incredibly undisciplined, never followed the rules, uh, whether intentionally or unintentionally, just had a complete lack of control over his own mouth and was always getting us into trouble. So we knew we were not going to be getting any, any food. We knew we were going to be sleeping in the van. I was already just gearing up for curling up on the cold floor of this metallic van next to, you know, all the empty Coke cans and broken dreams. And we get up there and... Interestingly enough, like our road manager was also the comedian. He he was really good. He was like the sweet guy and his comedy's kind of right at the middle and he could always deliver a joke and it wasn't he, he was sweet and he never he never failed. The other guy was on his best behavior and they didn't like him, but he didn't really blow it. You know, they hated him and you know, he was clearly in a manifestation of the devil and brought there to seduce them, but but they just tolerated him. But I went out there and I was so paralyzed with fear. And I remember vividly the guy said, you can't use the Lord's name in vain. And I went out and I did a joke and it didn't work. And I went out and I did another joke and it didn't work. And then I said, oh my God. And I realized at that moment I had blown it. And then what followed was the most explosive series of Tourette's of the most wholesome kind of Tourette's. I just said, oh my God, a thousand times. Like I had a hiccup or a palsy. Just, oh my, oh my God, 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 oh my God. I must have said God a thousand times. And I was kind of melting and folding into myself like a black hole, like a singularity in space. Like how can I just fold up as I say, oh my God, over and over again and their faces just morph into those demon faces from the devil's advocate. You know what I mean? Where there's like this person is here to, to ruin us, here to suck us into hell, and they were yelling, and they were, and get off the stage, and you're evil, and we hate you, and, you know, and I don't even think we finished the show, I think we fled, I think we just, we fled, and then a couple of them came up to us after the show and said, look, we're really sorry for the behavior of our fellow students, we don't think that was very nice, they weren't kind to you, that wasn't Christian, and we would love to take you out to dinner, and that was great, because we weren't being paid for the show, we were starving, so we went to a, a Subway sandwich shop, and we had Subway sandwiches, and, and we're like, oh god, these, are, these kids are so normal, and they're so nice, and, and uh, they're being so kind, and then of course what happened was that they had commenced the, the process of conversion, you know, and they were lovely, and they were reasonable kids, they didn't realize that they were barking up the wrong tree, but I will say that we had this really wonderful conversation about the concept of, of an absolute religion, like the idea that like my version of Christianity is the only Christianity that will get you into heaven and the other churches were all evil and manifestations of the Satan. And I, and, and I was like, well, what happens to like an Eskimo or a dude in the Brazilian rainforest who never gets to have an opportunity to hear your particular version of things? Is that guy just born to die and go to hell? And they were like, pretty much, yeah. And I was like, man, you guys are dicks. And then, you know, we ate our Subway sandwiches and, and actually it was all very civilized. And it was nice to see that kind of ingenuousness, that kind of like, we won and we're going to rock it up to the clouds and everybody else is pretty much fucked. And isn't it awesome being us? I thought it must be nice to live your life that way, to know with certainty that despite the fact that three colored comedians, well, two colored comedians and a guy who's practically colored because he's got curly hair, have come in and tried to taint your salvation, you were impervious to their powers, and you've done your part, and you handed out some nice coloring books on the will of God, and, uh, and you're going to make it into the eternal hereafter. 
and your path to salvation is saved. I think that must be a nice way to live your life. It must feel good. It must feel really good inside. On the inside of me, I'm roiled with self-doubt. And I want to eat bacon. Satan probably wants me to eat bacon. He's going to win. That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.